All right. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Okay. It's like, like you're okay. One of you is okay. The rest of you guys are having an awful day, apparently, because I don't know what's going on. But uh, no, listen, I'm so glad you guys are here. If you're a guest this morning, my name's Zach. I'm the pastor here at River Club. And I want you to know this. We don't know your name necessarily. Uh, hopefully, we'll get a chance to meet you at some point today, especially if you are a guest. But listen, we've been preparing for you, planning for you, and praying for you because we believe that God has something in store for you today in your time here. I also want to welcome everybody who's watching the live stream. Um, every Sunday, the 11 o'clock service is live streamed at riverclubchurch.com. So as you travel this summer. If you're out of town, you can always continue to join in and follow along with what's going on as well as anybody who's watching this with our podcast. And so listen, we reach not only people here, but in all kinds of places because of your generosity. And so I want to thank you for that church. Hey, we're going to begin a series today. It's a two-week series called Unstoppable. And we're going to talk about the church uh, this morning specifically. And if you're a guest, um, I want to spend some more time, maybe than I normally do, talking to followers of Jesus. Um, every time we, we gather together, we want to talk about God's word, how it applies to everybody in the room, no matter where you are in, in faith or, or questions about faith or doubts about God. We, we want to speak to you and we're going to do that today. But I want to give you a heads up because we're going to focus a little bit more on directly speaking to followers of Jesus, especially to those who would say River Club Church is my church. Now, how do you know if River Club Church is your church? Some of you guys are kind of like, well, I'm not a member. If, if, you, if somebody asks you, where do you go to church? And you say River Club Church. It doesn't matter how often you attend, doesn't matter how often you're here or not, this would be your church, okay? So let's kind of clarify, here's what we're talking about when it comes to our church. And I want to talk to you about the power of not just God's movement of the global church, but I want to talk to you about the power that resides in a church, the local church. And I want to talk to you about it in a way that, that will motivate us to maybe ask the question, how do we unlock the unstoppable force that is the movement of God more and more in our lives and specifically in our church? You know, we have an opportunity as followers of Jesus, if you put your faith and trust in him, to be a part of the most important and most incredible organization that it has ever been. It's called the local church. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. If you want to take out your message notes, I want to encourage you to follow along today in that way. He says this, that this is the rock on which I will build my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Now, why is that verse so important? Because it talks about from Jesus' mouth, his very words about the power of the local church and the global church. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to understand this, that, that as followers of Jesus, we're part of a global movement of God that he calls the church. And that church is one that, that we need to understand is going to be victorious in the end. When Jesus returns to make all things new, we're going to come out as victors. God's already written the end of the story. The game's already been played. The final score's already been written. And so when we view our lives and view the church, we need to view it from the standpoint of a victorious nature, not a scare, not a, are we going to make it? Not a, you know, is the world going to get so bad? Like we're not going to survive. Like, listen, at the end of the day, Jesus wins. And because we're his, at the end of the day, we win. And so write this down, because here's what I believe that Jesus wants us to know about the church globally, the movement of God. 
It's this, that the church is an unstoppable force with the power to change the world. That the global church, Jesus followers from 2,000 years ago until he returns, that we're part of an unstoppable force with the power to change the world. That the church over 2,000 years has survived persecution, oppression, scandal, opposition. The church is never going to be defeated. And we are going to be victorious. Now the tension comes in this though, because maybe you've been part of a church or you know of a church that it didn't make it. The church that was there is no longer there anymore. Every day, every week, churches close their doors for the final time. There are some churches who were at one time reaching a lot of people. They had a lot of vitality, but now they're declining. Now there's not a lot of life there. And you're like, okay, well, how are we victorious? How are we going to win? How is the church going to win when, when, when local churches don't always seem to be doing that? Well, there's a difference. See, not only do we understand that the global church, the movement of God is an unstoppable force. Write this down. We have to understand this, that we as a local church will either join the mission or we're going to miss the movement. So nothing's going to stop God's movement, the local church or the global church, the movement of God. Nothing's going to stop that. But there are certain things that can derail the local church. There are certain things that can hinder a local church. There are certain things that can keep the local church from experiencing their part of the mission of God, the movement of God. And so every local church and every follower of Jesus has to make the decision. Am I going to do what it takes? Am I going to follow Jesus in such a way where I'm going to join the movement? I'm going to join the mission. I'm going to be living that out. And I'm not going to miss what God's wanting to do in my life and through my life. And so I want to talk to you this week and talk to you next week a little bit more about how we as followers of Jesus, today more kind of corporately, how do we unlock the unstoppable force that is the movement of God in our lives, in our church locally? How does River Club Church continue to become and make sure we're becoming the church that God wants us to become, that God can use us so we don't miss out on what God is wanting to do because we have to make that decision. Are we going to join the mission or are we going to miss out on the movement? You know, I started thinking as I was preparing for this series, you know, about things that, that had power, powerful things. And, and one of the things I thought about, I thought about trains, right? Um, I don't know about you. So growing up in Texas, um, we don't have a lot of trees in the part of Texas I grew up in. And so like when I moved to Virginia, I was, I felt claustrophobic because everywhere you went, there were trees all around you. So even driving down the interstate, even driving down 95, it's like in, in the winter, it's not as much, but you know, during the spring and summer, like you can't see and you don't know what's going on. Like in Texas, if you're driving north and you look left, you see California. I mean, like you can see like all the way, right? And, and so, so you're always looking around. Well, so growing up, we, we traveled a lot of times to my grandparents' house in Wichita Falls, we lived in Dallas. So we kind of went north up. Well, there was a, a railroad track that would follow the, the highway that we would ride on for over an hour or so. And as a kid, I remember being so just mesmerized and so looking forward to hopefully finding a train as we were traveling along. And I remember like you kind of get there and you're like, you feel like you're, you're like, dad, punch it. We're going to race the train, right? Or maybe trying to count the number of train cars on there. Some of you guys that are younger are kind of like, why would you do something like that? It's because we didn't have iPhones, right? We didn't have iPads. 
We didn't have our own personal like entertainment devices. And so we had to listen to whatever dad was listening to. And so sometimes we had to entertain ourselves. And so I was always mesmerized, right, by the trains that were coming along and how powerful they were. Well, I started doing some research about this. And some of you guys are like, you're like, you know, I really know about this. And I'm not sure you, you might need to research some more. But here's my understanding, right? How a train operates is a great metaphor for the church. Because the power of a train, right, is not just, is not found just in the engine or just in the locomotive. The true power of a train, what makes a train so difficult to stop, is actually found in every car playing its role. Now, here's what I mean by that. So, you know, if you were to, not that you would ever do this, but if you were to try to start a train from dead still, right, the, the locomotive and the engine, the one at the front, you know, some trains they push, but they say that you have the ones there, does not have the power in and of itself to actually get the whole entire train going. Well, what they do is they actually use the momentum and the leverage of each individual car to propel the train forward. And so if you've ever looked at a train, you know, and you see how the train cars are connected, they have this coupling. Check this next picture. And so this, this coupling, as you'll see, has um, this, this, it has some space in between it, right? Well, that's, that serves a purpose. Because what happens, and oftentimes what will happen is the engine will actually back up first before it goes forward. And in backing up, it creates some slack in that coupling. See, there's a space in between there. So that when the train begins, that coupling pulls. And as each train is pulled and moves forward, the power and the momentum of that individual car all collectively powers the train to go forward, right? And so you need that. In fact, if you were to have like the, the caboose, which you know, everybody knows about the locomotive, and then you got the caboose, which is like the last, last train. If you were to have the caboose with its brake on, the train would not be able to start because it would stretch out that coupling and it, would, it wouldn't allow the individual trains to have the power to continue to propel forward. And so I started thinking about that because that, that's, that's a pretty cool metaphor for the church. Because the power of the local church is not in the pastor. It's not in the staff. It's not in, in a few people. The, the true power of the local church is in every car playing its part. Is every person playing its part, right? And then as the car gets moving, the train gets moving, it, it begins to develop this momentum. You know, momentum, if you, if, you know, I did some research on this too, and because I'm kind of a nerd, so you guys are like, can we get to like the Bible part? We'll get there in a minute. But like, momentum is, is mass times velocity. So here's what that means. The, the mass is, now weight's not, I know, I know weight's not really the mass of it, but it, for simple terms, it kind of is. You know, so you have this, this, this mass, this weight, this, this um, resistance, right, in, in every individual car. And momentum is gained when that mass is paired with movement. And so you have mass times velocity. And I started thinking, okay, well, what generates spiritual momentum? What, what gets a church moving forward? What keeps a church moving forward? What's the true power of the church? See, it's like a train. Every part has to be a, a part of what's going on to, to get the train moving. But then the true power of the church, the momentum of the church, is found when every car continues to go. Because as the weight of the train goes forward, the momentum continues to build. 
Well, guess what? As the church moves forward collectively, and think about it this way. So like spiritual momentum, right? Spiritual momentum, is, is, you have mass. Well, who's the mass? What's the mass? It's the masses, right? It's the individual members of the church. Now, some of you are like, well, I, I, don't, I, I don't join the church. I, I'm not a member of the church. We're not talking about members in like membership. We're talking about those who are a part of the church. That spiritual momentum is gained when the masses, every individual person collectively works together to create ministry, which is the movement that generates a spiritual momentum that's extremely difficult to stop. So what I want to talk to you today about is this, is how do we make sure we're creating the right momentum? How do we make sure that we're leveraging our role as individuals in the greater mission of the church and ministry of the church in such a way that we are joining in this unstoppable nature of what God's going to do and we make sure we don't just sit back and miss out on the movement? See, Paul, the Apostle Paul, the New Testament writer, is writing to the church in Ephesus. And so if you have a Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 1, uh, or Ephesians chapter 4, excuse me. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, we're, we're going we're gonna to look at this, this because in this section of the letter, Paul gives what, what I'm going to call the blueprint for spiritual momentum. He shares with us and shares with his original readers how God designed the local church. Because if we would function as a local church the way God designed us to function, we're positioned for incredible spiritual momentum. But if we fail to function the way God designed us to function, we can actually miss out on what God wants to do both in and through us. So let's read this together. Paul begins in verse 1. He says this. He says, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. So he starts off, we're kind of in the middle of this letter, and he says, therefore. I heard a pastor say one time that whenever you see therefore in the Bible, you need to ask what is therefore, therefore, right? Because therefore is a transition statement. Paul's saying, because of what was before, now here's what I want you to do. So the first three chapters, as we have them now, were about God, or about Paul talking to the, the Ephesians about here's what God has done. So here's all the, the truth about God. Here's all the things God has done. Now, because of that, therefore, because of this, here's our response. And he says, I want you to live a life worthy of your calling. That if we, if we love God, we, we want to honor him, then how we live our life needs to be lived in an appropriate response to all the great things God has done for us. That there's a right way to live based upon what God has done in our life. And he goes on to talk about some of the things. Look at verse 2. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because you're love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. 
So Paul says, okay, first thing you understand is because of what God has done, I want you to live your lives in a certain way. And I want you to live your lives in unity with other followers of Jesus, recognizing that you're better together, recognizing that what you have in common, what you believe, your hope, your, your faith, your, your baptism of God's spirit in your life, like all those things unify you together. That, that the power of the church is found in, in, in us being a unified group, a unified body. And so he says, I want you to begin to understand that there's great unity in the church. Now he kind of goes to a different part of that same thing in verse 7. He says, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That's why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. So Paul says, listen, that you have this great unity and there's great value in the fact that you have this unity. You're together. You're, you're better together. But then you're not all the same. That God has given each of you specific gifts, specific things. He's made you unique. And so the power of the church is found in its unity, but also in the diversity. See, choosing to follow Jesus does not mean we have to cease to become the, the, the individual person that we are. That we've got to begin to look and do and be like everybody else. God uses the unity of the church, but he also uses the diversity of the church. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. It says in verse 9 and 10, notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. He's saying, listen, that this gift, what God has done, this comes directly from Jesus. It's a divine gift from the Son of God. Look at verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Look at verse 14. It says, Then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. So clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who's the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So Paul gives a blueprint for spiritual momentum. He, he says, here's how the church is supposed to operate. Here's how God designed the church. And if you'll live out as a church how God designed you, then you're going to be in a position of not missing out on the movement of God, but actually joining in the mission. And this spiritual energy, this spiritual momentum of, of everybody doing their part and making a difference is going to be increased. And so Paul shares three things in this passage. He shares the plan for spiritual momentum. He shares the results of spiritual momentum. And he shares the limitations that can limit spiritual momentum. And I want to talk to you about those in the time we have left quickly. So the first thing is this, is he gives the plan. How are we supposed to operate as a church to be the best church that we can, to be the most impactful church that we can? Well, the first thing is, he says is this, write this down, is that God gifts leaders to the church to equip 
the members. God gifts to the church leaders whose role is to equip the members. Look at verse 11. He says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. So God gives certain people, certain leaders, not just staff positions, but certain leaders to the church. And he lists off some examples of of types of leaders that God gives to the church. And he says in verse 12, so their responsibility, what these leaders are supposed to do, is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So God gives to the local church leaders, certain people, with certain callings and certain abilities and certain gifts and, and anointing. And their role is a very specific role in the greater body of Jesus, the greater body of the church. He says that I've given pastors as one example of leaders, that I've gifted the church. Now, you ever thought about that? I'm a gift to you, right? Some of you guys are kind of like, uh, can we take it back? Like, you know, is there like an exchange pile, you know? But like, you know, but seriously, like God gives leaders to the church. Leaders are a gift. And, and I'm not saying, I'm kind of being, being facetious, but like, you know, but that, that's the truth. That, that God loved the church so much that God has given certain people, and not, not just staff, but certain leaders, certain people with leadership gifting to the church. And their role is to equip, this word means prepare, to, 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 to get ready the, the members of the church to do the work of the church, the ministry of the church. So God gifts the church leaders, but then look what he also gives. Look at verse two. God also gifts members of the church to do the ministry. So God gives the church leaders, but then God also gives to the church the members, the people that are there, and he gives to those members, to the people that make up the church, he gifts them with certain abilities. Look what Paul said in verse 7. He said, however, he has given each one of us a special gift to the generosity of Christ. Paul's talking about spiritual gifts. He says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, that a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So as a follower of Jesus, we have all been given, you have been given a spiritual gift, a gift by God specifically to be used for serving others and building up the church. God has given you a potential. He's given you a gifting. He's given you an ability that that came after you became a follower of Jesus or he empowered maybe something that you had in your life to a different level so that you could do ministry. So Paul says how the church is designed to operate is God gives leaders to the church to prepare people who are gifted by God to do the things that God has called them to do. And when leaders lead and equip and and members who are gifted serve, then the power of the church is amplified. So that's the plan. It's the blueprint. The reason I'm here, the reason you're here, is because it's part of God's plan. The reason why God has brought you here is because he has a specific role for you to play. Maybe in leadership or maybe in ministry. And so then he goes on to share the results. Well, what happens 
when the church operates that way, when we understand how God is gifted and designed the church. Well, the two things can happen. One is there's a benefit to us as individuals, but two, there's a benefit to what we can do collectively. Look, at, look write this down. That if, if we will serve in this way, then our, your spiritual maturity is magnified. That your spiritual maturity is magnified. This is the personal benefit, right? This is what God wants to do in your life, in my life as individuals. That your spiritual maturity is magnified. See, God designed us and God desires, he commands us to grow up spiritually. Look what Paul says in verse 14. He says, then after you serve, when you're doing what God's called you to do, then we will no longer be immature like children. See, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, the Bible says we're like a spiritual infant. We're new to the faith. We're not very strong, maybe, in in some of the things in our life. And we're like a spiritual infant. And so the the church needs to understand that, you know, when we're new believers, right, that that we're not going to function like a mature believer. And that's okay because, you know, you don't get mad at a newborn for not walking, right? Or you shouldn't. Maybe at three in the morning you're like, would you please just get up and go to bed? You know, I don't know what, you know. But, you know, you don't look at a newborn and go, could you please just change your diaper, right? Because you recognize that, that they're in the stage of life they're in, and they're limited. They're not mature yet. In the same way, though, the Bible says that as new believers, you're, you're like a spiritual infant. But God's desire and plan, just like an infant should grow and mature, that we, over time, should grow and mature spiritually. And in fact, the writer of Hebrews actually is, is getting on to, to his readers because, because he says, listen, by now you should be eating steak, but you're still drinking out of a bottle. He's like, I want to be able to challenge you in your faith, but you're still a spiritual baby. And in the same way that, listen, we shouldn't maybe give an infant a hard time for being an infant. When a grown adult acts like a baby, we should give them a hard time, right? Because we're not supposed to stay immature. And so one of the things that happens, one of the results of us serving is we become more mature. We become more mature. Paul Alexander is a a pastor at Sun Valley Community Church. He wrote this article that I read this week and I thought this was good. He says that serving others is both the pathway to and the pinnacle of spiritual maturity. So serving is not only the way we grow and we mature, but it's actually a result and a sign that we have matured, right? And so one of the things that happens when we recognize and we live out that God gifted leaders to equip and to prepare and to lead and God has given us gifts to serve is that when we learn to serve, we actually grow in our spiritual maturity. Our faith deepens. Our trust grows. We recognize more and more uh, about God. And see, what Paul's trying to say is that, listen, if you're not serving, if you've not embraced the idea that, that God has gifted you to make a difference, he's made you to make a difference, he's made you to serve and be an active part of not just receiving, but giving to the local church, your, your time and your talents and your, your, your abilities, if you're not doing that, you're limiting 
your spiritual growth. See, some of, some of us, some of you, right? We, the last thing we need, honestly, is another Bible study. Because our head is so full of knowledge that we're not growing anymore. We're just kind of getting stuffed up. It may be prideful and arrogant. We've got all this information. Sometimes the biggest thing we need to start doing to grow in our faith, to break out of that rut we're in, to, to feel closer to God, is to actually begin to do something with our lives for Him, to begin to volunteer and serve. It's one of the results. But it is not just a benefit to us as individuals. The other result, when we live out God's design for the church, is that not only is our, our maturity magnified, but our spiritual ministry is maximized. That, that we begin to accomplish more together. Because why? Individually, we're all growing in our faith. We're becoming more mature. We're doing something with the faith God has given us. He, he says this, Paul says this in, in verse 16. He says, as each part does its own special work, it helps other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So as we grow spiritually, as we mature, as we serve, it actually allows the church to do more to minister to other people. It allows us to do more. And so Paul says, here's the plan. The plan is, is God gifts leaders to equip and God gifts members with the ability to do ministry. The result is, is that individually for both leaders and for, for members in the church, they grow spiritually. And we also are able to do and accomplish more together and truly be the unstoppable force God is designing us to be to make a difference in the world, to change our world locally, to change our families locally, to change the world globally. But then he says, but there's certain things, and he loses, but there are certain things that if we don't do them right, actually limit our ability to grow individually and mature individually and grow as a church. Write these down. One of the things that happens if churches can get stifled, churches can derail from the mission. They can lose their momentum. They can lose their ability to really do what God's calling them to do when this happens. When leaders do not equip, but simply do the ministry. Churches lose their power when the leaders, those God has, has called and placed to equip, no longer equip people, but spend all their time doing the ministry. Why would somebody whose God is called to lead and equip stop doing that and begin to spend all their time doing the ministry? Well, I think a couple of things happen. One is a lot of leaders are type A people. And type A people are people that say it needs to get done. And oftentimes they feel like their way is actually the best way to get it done. So instead of getting somebody else to do it, it's like, well, I'll just do it myself. And the thing that kind of plays into that is oftentimes it seems easier to do it ourselves than to get somebody else to do it, right? And if you're a type A person or you kind of have that streak in you, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, okay, well, I could ask somebody to do it, but then I've got to depend on them. I've got to figure out if they're going to do it the way I want them to do it. You know, what if they don't do it the right way? So you're like, forget all that. It's easier just to do it things. Right? And so sometimes leaders in the church adopt this mentality of, I just got to get things done. 
And sometimes the, the problem is, is, is that's because that's what the church has told them. Well, you know, we hired you to do ministry. Pastor, you're the one getting paid. You're supposed to do all this work. You know, it's not my job to go see people in the hospital. Pastor, we're paying you to do that. You know, I've got a job. I've got a family. This, you know, this, this, this is your job. We, we pay you so we don't have to do all the hard work. But the problem is, is that when you do that, you're telling the pastor or the staff or the volunteer leader to actually do the thing that they're not supposed to be doing. And now they're spending all their time doing ministry. They're no longer doing what they're called to do, which is to prepare others to do the ministry that God's led them to do. And so one of the things that limits the local church is when leaders end up doing all the ministry and not equipping people to do what God specifically has called them to do. The second limitation is this, is that it's when members don't serve, but simply receive the ministry. So one problem is when leaders don't function the way God's called them to lead. And the other one is, is that when members don't serve and function the way God has prepared them to lead and are simply content with receiving all the great stuff the church can give to them. Now, why would somebody view church that way? The church is all about what I can get. Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. Why somebody would say, I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to volunteer. I'm not going to use my gifts. I'm just going to sit back and, and the church can serve me. I think one of the things that happens is, is that it can be a culture that we create. See, we, we work very hard at River Club Church to create a culture. And we're working, we're trying to do better and better every day. To create a culture that welcomes all people. That, that wants to make it easy for you to walk through the front door. It wants to make it easy for you to, to come in and feel welcome and, and, and feel blessed. And we want to serve you well. We're working even harder to try to help people find that it's easier to take those next steps, which it can, it can be hard for some people. Like, like, and that, that's part of our mission. It's what God wants us to do. But what happens is, is that at a certain point, as followers of Jesus, we've got to recognize that the church is no longer there primarily to serve us, but we're there to serve within the church. And that's not an easy thing to do because, honestly, it's easier to be served, right? And that's kind of the other reason why some people don't step up and why they don't serve is because serving requires sacrifice. You got to get here earlier. You got to stay here later. You got to come two hours out of the week instead of one hour out of the week, Right? You can't just roll in 10 minutes late to the service like everybody does, right? You got to like show up on time, you know? You got you to like, you know, prepare maybe during the week for some stuff. You've got to schedule church as the thing that you don't cancel when something else comes up because there's a commitment there. But see, the problem is, is that if we simply as followers of Jesus receive ministry and we never give ministry, we never serve in ministry, we're not going to grow spiritually. At a certain point, the church is no longer going to give you what you want. And so you want to go find a church that will. But there's going to come a time, if you're a follower of Jesus, where the church is no longer going to give you everything you want. Because God has designed it where that's not the role. The role is, is that now you begin to give back to other people. 
Listen, some of you are frustrated in your faith. You're frustrated in the church. And honestly, it's because you're not doing anything. I mean, let's just be honest, right? We're all about honesty, authenticity, right? Some of you treat church like I treat the gym. And you can see how I treat the gym. It's not helpful. Like, it's not doing what it's designed to do because why? It's not my commitment. If I went to the gym, which some happens sometimes, just when it was convenient, I shouldn't expect to get fit. If I just showed up to the gym whenever, you know, I had the day off, I shouldn't expect to walk in and people know my name. See, church was not designed to always be about us. I heard a pastor say this one time that the church is the only organization in the world that is actually designed for the person who's not a part of it yet. That once you become part of the church, the church is no longer there primarily for you. You now have a part to play. See, when leaders end up doing all the ministry and don't spend their time equipping others, preparing others, and when the church, the people of the church, the members of the church are content with just receiving ministry and not serving and giving back to the church how God has gifted them to do, the ministry and the power of the church is limited. And and churches miss out on the movement of God because they're not willing to join the mission. And and if I'm honest with you, I think think we suffer from both of those at River Club. I I think we have too many leaders in the church who who, you know, we just, we kind of resort to just doing what needs to be done. And we can blame the lack of volunteers and, and that people don't want to step up. And that's part of the problem. But part of the problem also is, are we doing our job to prepare and equip people? But I also think we're limited because as a church, I think we lack that commitment. Now, there are some who don't. And I'm not talking to you. Some of you are like, Zach, I'm serving three hours every Sunday. Like, we only have two hours. I don't know what I'm doing the third hour. Like, I can't do anymore. Okay, not talking to you. But there's a good number of people who are followers of Jesus and who would say, this is my church but they're not doing anything. Listen, as leadership, we have as much vision, we have as much potential, we have as many plans as you're willing to serve, as you're willing to support, as you're willing to give. And as we become better at equipping The church has to become better at committing. If not, we're never going to gain the spiritual momentum that you want to be a part of. 
Nobody wants to be part of a church that doesn't accomplish much. In fact, people leave churches. Why? Well, I just don't feel like our church was doing anything. So here's the takeaway. Here's the question I want to leave you with, right? And it's a personal question. It's a little uncomfortable. I understand that. I want you to ask yourself the question, am I committing to the mission or am I missing the movement? Am I committing to the mission or am I missing the movement? And I would say this, that if you're here this morning, And you would honestly just say, Zach, I'm not serving anywhere. Or I'm not serving consistently. Or I'm not serving with dedication. Because some of you are signed up, you just never show up. If you would honestly say, that's not me. You're missing out on the movement. And not only is that hindering your spiritual growth, but it's hindering our church. And so if I'm willing to commit to, as best I can, help our leaders give away the ministry God's called them to give away and focus on what we're called to do as leaders, then I need you as a church to say, well, we're willing to do our part and step up. You know, this week I was thinking about this message, and I don't like things that are uncomfortable. I'll be honest with you, right? Right? And, but I was thinking, I was like, you know, instead of like a list of, you know, churches always talk about all the great things that they've done. I started making a list of all the stuff that we haven't done. Like ideas that we felt God leading us to do that we couldn't do because we didn't have volunteers. We didn't have commitment. We didn't have, um, you know, the money to do it. And I'm like, you know, I'm just going to come and share that. I'm like, no, I'm not going to come and share that. But it's a fairly long list. And there was one area that I kept coming back to time and time again where I was like, Zach, we just got to be honest about this. It was our kids' ministry. You know, here in a few minutes after the service is over, we're going to invite you to come down and to, to celebrate Marcy Cramsey. It's her last Sunday. She's resigning and transitioning to a different ministry. And so, you know, we talked about this about a month ago and, and what was going on. And, and you know, one of the, the biggest challenges that, that, that she's had every single week is finding people willing to serve in kids' ministry. And so we, we put out, and I talked about, you know, listen, as we move into a transition time, we need you as a church to step up. We need people who are going to volunteer. If you're already in kids' ministry, we need to step up our volunteering. We need to step up our commitment because that's such an important role in our church. And I'll be honest with you, that, that, that as a church, that, that when we should be stepping up, I'm seeing more people stepping out. Like calling people and we're saying, listen, hey, can you commit to serving? And it's like, why? If I'm in town, I'll serve, but I want to have the weekend free. That's not helpful, right? And so as a a team, we said, listen, we need to, you know, bring in an interim leader for that area. And so Heather Ablondi, if you got the email this this week, if you're on our our church email, is stepping into serving in that that role in a part-time way um, during the transition. But she desperately, and we desperately need to support her and serve. And that's a very specific example because it's a need for everywhere. But I wonder this, are we willing to step up and to meet the need in our church? Because here's what I want you to do as we conclude. I want you to reach into 
the, the seat in front of you. I want you to pull out the connection card. I want everybody to do it. I'm not going to move on until we do. All right? If, you, if there's not one there, like if you have an extra one, just kind of give it to the person around you, right? And I want you to pull it out. And here's what I want you to do. Is where it says, what's your next step? I want you to draw a little box and I want, to write, I want you to write the word next to it that says serve. Because the only way to apply the message this morning is to serve. It's to volunteer. You're either going to say yes or you're going to say no. And if you say, well, God, not now, you're actually saying no. And here's what I want you to do. Is I want you to put your name phone number, email, that kind of stuff. Put that box and then where it says share prayers or how God impacted you today, I want you to write down. Zach, I'm willing to serve. And I want you to write down where. Listen, we need people to step in and serve in our kids' ministry. We're not necessarily asking you to do it until Jesus comes back, but we need you to do it for the summer to help out and to make that commitment. And so if you're willing to do that, to give a, a you know, a week, three times, or once a month maybe, or, or every week, or, or when, you know, when you kind of know I'm going to be gone these two weeks, but I'll do that. Fill it out. Let us know. Maybe you're like, Zach, I know, I know in my heart, kids ministry is not my thing, but I know where I'm supposed to serve. Write that down. Take that step. Because if you never take the step, you're never going to receive the blessing. If you never make the commitment, you're never going to see the growth. And we're going to be a better church when we all play the part that God is calling us and gifted us to play. Will you step up? Will you help this church continue to be a church that seeks to change the world? We can't do it unless we're all willing to do it. you pray with me? Father God, we come to you in this moment and I want to thank you for your word. God, your word is sometimes very encouraging. Sometimes your word is very fun and uplifting and sometimes your word is challenging. And God, it's in the challenging moments that we need to press in just as much as we do. Those scriptures that may be easier for us. But God, I truly believe that You've designed your church in a way that, that actually brings us blessing. And so God, as we take this step and we evaluate, am I committing to the mission? Am I, am I willing to serve? Am I willing to, to, to use my gifts and maybe even fill a role right now that needs to be filled, God? God, that you would magnify our maturity, God, and that you would maximize our ministry. So guys, we sing this song, this, this song, I pray, becomes our prayer, God, that, that you would call us deeper. You would lead us closer to you. And as we step up and serve, or we make that commitment to continue serving, you allow us to see the, the bigger part you want that to play in our life. So in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. I could just say